I want to do this today. We're going to do a little survey before we uh, dive fully into this message because um, I think we live in a culture that is always about more, more stuff, more things, more, all of that. And, and I want to see how much it is in our own lives. And I want to do a survey today. So if you're watching online, you can participate as well. If you're here in the room, we're going to do this together. And so I'm going to start with this. So this is how it's going to go. Every, every little section that I'm going to give you, you're going to give yourself a grade. Okay. It's going to be between zero, one, two, and then you're going to add up your points at the end of this. And we're going to see where you land here. Okay. So let's, let's start today. So if you feel rested and relaxed today, give yourself a zero. Okay. Give yourself a zero. If you could have slept another 30 minutes to an hour this morning, maybe hitting snooze a couple times, I want you to give yourself a one, okay? If you could have slept the rest of this week, I want to give yourself a two. If you're asleep right now in the service, <laughs> give yourself a three. <laughs> give them for them. Okay. All right. So you got your, got your score for that one. Okay. Here's the next one. If you were here at church 10 to 15 minutes early or even earlier than that, I want you to give yourself a zero. If you got here right at nine o'clock, okay, give yourself a one. If you got here while baptisms and singing was going on, give yourself a two. Okay. All right. All right. So we got our numbers. All right, here's the next one. So you can add those two now. Here's the next one. All right. If the majority of your laundry is clean and folded and put away, give yourself a zero. All right. If the majority of your laundry is clean, but maybe not put away and folded and all that stuff, give yourself a one. If you had to dig in your hamper today to try to find a shirt you could wear to church... Give yourself a two, okay? All right, okay. Everybody getting their numbers? Okay, here we go. Next one. If all of your bills are paid and you have extra money in your account, give yourself a zero, all right? If the majority of your bills are paid, but there's really nothing left at the end of the month, give yourself a one. If you pay your bills late all the time, give yourselves a two, and if you go, Bills, what are those? <laughs> Give yourself a three on that one. All right, last one. Here we go. If you're coming to a stoplight and it's about to turn red and you slow down and don't get upset, give yourself a zero. If you're coming to a stoplight and it's about to turn red and you wait till it hits red and then you break really hard and lock all the seatbelts, <laughs> give yourself a one. And if it's about to turn red and you just floor it as fast as you can and yell, mercy, <laughs> give yourself a two. I don't know which one of you that is. All right. Okay. So now take all of that. Okay. Take all your numbers and I'll add them all, add them all up, I'll add them all up. Okay. If you scored probably anything from a five and over, you're probably overloaded. And today is a message for you because we're going to dive into part three of this series, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And we're going to look at this scripture and then, and then we're going to dive into what I'm talking about. 
So Matthew 11 has kind of been our theme verse for this series. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it up on the screen because this has been the invitation that Jesus has invited us into. We, we're kind of in a, in a culture of just rush and hurry and just so much that's going on. And so Jesus invites us in Matthew chapter 11. Can we put that on the screen? Matthew 11 says, then Jesus said, everybody help me with these white words. Jesus said, come to me, all who are and carry, and I will... Okay, so this is the invitation that God gives to all of us who many of us probably are overloaded, many of us are tired, many of us are exhausted. Uh, I, I talked with a guy in our church this week that has family that just got, got some devastation from the hurricane. His family had walked through COVID. He's got stuff going on in his work, and he's like, Pastor Josh, I'm just, I'm done. I'm just done. And y'all feel that way lately? It's just like, I'm just done. There's just so much that's going on. This is, a, this is an invitation that Jesus says to all of us that feel that way. Take my yoke upon you, and here's our big one. Let me what? Let me teach you. So that's what this series has been all about. What, is it, what does it mean for Jesus to teach us to, to live the way that he lived? Because I am humble, this is what Jesus speaks of himself, and I am gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. Jesus is inviting us to come to him, but Jesus is inviting us to walk with him, and Jesus is inviting us to learn from him how to live like him, how to love like him, how to walk like him, and that's what we're trying to do. So in part one, which was, what, four weeks ago now, where Lindsay and I came back, was our first message that we shared, which was this idea of learning from Jesus how to slow down, just the pace of Jesus, not in a hurry, we talked about hurry sickness, this thing that we're always striving but never arriving, and how do we just slow down as a people? And then three weeks ago, I did part two of this message, and we looked at the practices of Jesus, the, like what he actually lived, and how he invites us into solitude. That message was called A Quiet Place in a Noisy World. And, and how Jesus would often get away, even in the midst of all the, the craziness and all the needs and all the people, he would step away and he would, he would go to a quiet place so he could hear the voice of his father. Today, we're going to look at something that is different than all of those. We're going to look at how Jesus teaches about simplicity. Simplicity. So the title of my message today is Less is More. Come on, look at somebody next to you. Look at on, say, say it online. Less is more. Come on, let's say it. Less. Come on, say it again. Less. Less is more. Now, confession. This series has been very difficult for me. Because this is the antithesis of what my life used to be. My life is fast. My life is full. My life is a lot. Our family was a lot. And so for us... Our sabbatical was an opportunity for God to reset some things and reorient some things and to show us what, what we need to do to make changes so we can continue to do what we do for another 20 years. And so this has been a bit of a hard series because I'm kind of preaching almost hot off the press. Like as God is doing it in my heart, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to share. So I don't have all the answers. Let me just go ahead and say that right out. I, I'm still learning what this is. Next week, Lindsay's going to join me, and we're going to talk about Sabbath. We're going to talk about what does it mean for us to, to have a time? What does that actually mean? Are we required to do that? Should we do it? How do we do that? So we're going to get into that a little bit next week and share that. But I want to I share today as we talk about simplicity 
If you want to write this one big thought down, and that is that the greatest enemy to the life you want may be the life that you're living. The greatest enemy to the life that you want may be the life that you are living. We have bought into a lie in our culture that more is better. More is better. More channels, more options, more, more bells and whistles, more accessories, more information, more money. I mean, of course, more has to be better, right? More's gotta be better. I mean, $1 is good, $2 is better. Come on, one donut is good, two is better. Are y'all with me right now? Okay, one child is good. Well, it kind of depends. I don't know, sometimes two is better. One wife is good, two is wrong. Okay, don't do that. Two is wrong. It's not always better, but we live in this culture that more is better, and we, we want more and more and more and more. And, and here's, here's how I know that we have bought into this more is better. Watch this. In 2019, the storage unit business, storage unit, my, my sister works for a storage unit, so she can even attest to this. In 2019, the storage unit business, that industry was an $87 billion industry in the US. 87 billion, meaning that we have so much stuff, we have to buy another or rent another place to store more of our stuff. Because more is better, right? I need more. Our culture says this, happiness is this, more than I currently have. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of happy right now, but if I had more, I would be more happy. But, but this is something that Jesus actually warns us of, and I want us to look at the life of Jesus and look at what, something that Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. He says this, then Jesus says to them, watch what he says. Everybody say it. Come on, let's say it again. Watch out. Be on your guard. Hey, by the way, anytime Jesus says those words right there, you know what you need to do? You need to watch out. Anytime somebody says, hey, watch out. Okay, they're like, they're not just saying that just to say it. They're saying it because there's something that's about to come your way that could either do you harm, could hurt you, whatever. So Jesus says, hey, guys, listen, watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of, of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. He's saying, hey, listen, you need to be on guard. You need to be careful. You need to watch out for the things of greed because there's always going to be this pull for more. Always. Watch this. Greed, the way that greed works is greed promises this. That the more you have, the better your life will be. Greed promises that the more you have, then the more joy you'll have, the more rest you'll have, the more peace you have. And Jesus says, that's a lie because what ends up happening is usually the more more you have, the more you worry about, the more you stress out, and the more hurry is in your life. And Jesus knows this. Jesus is warning us of this. And so we've got to ask the question, what's behind our pursuit for more? Why can we never be satisfied and content usually with what we have? Now, more is not always bad by any means. I don't want to paint that picture. But often this drive, this desire for more, what, what is behind all that? 
If you want to write this down, our desire for more reveals what we worship. Our desire for more reveals what we worship. Now let's look what Jesus says now in Matthew 6. Matthew 6, a very popular uh, passage of scripture. We all know it as the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6. Now let's look at verse 24 and verse 25 and watch the comparison here. Jesus says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you're gonna hate the one and you're gonna love the other or you're gonna be devoted to one and you're gonna despise the other. And here he goes, he says, you cannot serve both God and, and, and money. Okay, watch. Now watch what he connects it to. Therefore, which by the way, if we've ever taught you anything, when you see the word therefore, you always need to look back and find out what it's there for. Every time you see therefore, just go back a couple verses and see what it's there for. So you can't serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. Jesus is connecting my money and my stuff. And he's connecting them there and he's saying this, listen, you worry about what you worship. And what you worship, you worry about. Idolatry is when we make a, a, a good thing a God thing. Idolatry is when we make a good thing or a, a, a God thing. So watch. Is money wrong? Yes or no? No, by no means. Is working a job wrong? No, 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 no. Is having cars and a house wrong? No, by no means. None of those are wrong. But it becomes wrong when those things become our identities. So when we lose a job, we lose a vehicle, we lose a house, we lose money, it's almost in a sense we lose ourselves because ourselves are attached to those things. That is when, watch this, because what you worry about, you worship. Ready? We're all worshipers in here. Every single person in here is a worshiper. The question is, are you worshiping God or are you worshiping something else that wants to be the false substitute of him? Because everything is vying for your affection. Everything is vying for your time. Everything is vying for your money. Okay? And so culture will say, hey, you need more of this. If you have more of this, then you'll become this. So, so when we talk about our identities being connected to these things, we say things like, well, we don't say it. We don't say these things out loud, but this is what happens. I am what I buy. I am what I wear. I am what I have. I am what I drive. And those things become identities to us. Jesus does not care how much stuff you have. But he does care how much stuff has you. He doesn't mind you owning stuff. He just doesn't want the stuff to own you. That's, that's what Jesus is totally after when he's saying, be on guard, watch out. He's saying, listen, you need to watch out because this stuff, these, these cares, they're going to start owning you. And so you gotta, you got to be honest. We've got to ask ourselves, do I own my stuff or does my stuff own me? We say, well, Pastor Josh, how would I know if my stuff owns me? Good question. You will know if your stuff owns you by looking at two things. Two things can help you determine 
if you are bought into this more is better. Two things you need to look at, your calendar and your checking account. Your calendar and your checking account because Jesus goes so far to say in Matthew 6, watch this, where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So meaning we can say, God is all that I want. God is all that I need. But then when we look at our calendar and we look at our checking account, it says something different. It says that God doesn't get any time in my calendar because I'm so busy working or I'm so busy taking care of this or I'm so busy having to do this stuff that God gets the back seat. If I have time, then I'll go to church. If I have time, then I'll spend time with him. If I have time, and so what ends up happening is God gets the leftovers, God doesn't get the best. Are y'all, are y'all with me? I know, listen, I, I know when it gets quiet in here, it's like, mm, I'm processing this one. Okay, so... So looking at our our calendars, seeing how we're prioritizing things, looking at our checking account, seeing is is my checking account revealing that I live for self, for my own desires. Yet again, not wrong to own things. Okay, don't, don't hear me wrong. Not wrong to own things. Not wrong to go on vacations. Not wrong to do any of those things. But when those things become our identities, when those things are the things that we worship because we're trying to get something from them that only God can give us. Are are y'all with me? So so what ends up happening is our desire for more is leaving us with less. Watch. Watch this. Jesus goes on to say in Mark chapter 4, the seed cast in the weeds represents the one who hears the kingdom news but is what? What's that word? but is overwhelmed with with worries. Now watch what they're worried about. Worried about all the things, watch this, that they have to do. That's my my calendar. Man, all the stuff I gotta do. Man, I I gotta do this, I gotta do this. Some of y'all are even thinking into next week how crazy it's already gonna be. I got this, I got this, and I gotta gotta do this. And man, I'm just already kind of getting overwhelmed with it. And then all the things that they want to do. That's, that's, that's the money piece. Man, the things that I need to buy, I need to, I need to get this stuff. And, and watch what it does. The, the stress. It strangles what they heard and nothing comes of it. Nothing comes of it. It, it. it just stresses you out. It strangles the life out of you because the more, the more stuff I have, it causes me to have to work more. The more I work, the more it causes stress. The more stress I have, then the more hurry that I have, the more hurry that I have. Watch this. The more I have of all of that stuff, the less time I have, the less meaning I have, the less connection I have, the less financial freedom I have, the less generosity I have, the less margin I have, the less peace that I have, the less joy that I have. Are y'all with me? The more I have in a lot of these, it usually results in less of other things and less of other things that I really long for the most. So Jesus is warning us, he's telling us, hey, be careful, you're gonna get overwhelmed with worries about these things. Mark 8, verse 36 says, in what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? More, 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 and then yet lose your own soul. So Jesus would say, listen, the more and more and more you have, the less and less and less you'll actually have. The world says, the more and more and more you have, the better and the better and the better it'll be. And Jesus says, no, 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 less is more. 
less is more. So Jesus then says, okay, not only do you need to guard against all this, there is a better way. There's a better way. And so here's God's solution, ready? God's solution to an overloaded life is less is more. Less is more. And we'll walk through this practically. Watch what Ecclesiastes chapter four, one of the wisest men next to Jesus in the, in the scriptures that ever lived, Solomon, said this. It's better. Everybody say that. It is. Better. Come on, say it again. It is better, better to have one handful with quietness than to have two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. What God is saying is it's better to have one handful with peace and joy and love than it is to have two handfuls of hurry and worry and all the stress that comes along with it. That, let, me, let me give you what I like to call the, the JLT version, the Josh Living Translation version. It's not scriptural, but... It's better to have one job, which maybe pays a little less, but gives you time with your family than to have a high-paying job that keeps you from them and results in a broken marriage. It's better to have one car that is paid off. Oh, am I going there? Okay, and then, then two cars with all the bells and whistles that you are now stressed out trying to figure out how you're gonna pay for them. Better is one handful. Watch this. This is coming from the man who had the most money in the world, the wisest man in the world, and had the most women in the world. That was his issue. Okay, that's where, that's where it came. Yeah. All them concubines, okay? So watch this. This comes from a man who in our day and age, we would say, that's got to be the happiest man on the planet. And he says... It's better to have one handful than to have two. See, because this ends up happening. When I have one handful, then I have one hand to give, one hand to help, one hand to serve, one hand to love, one hand. I still am available. When I am so overloaded with stuff, when anybody asks anything of me, it's like I can't do another thing. Because I'm so stressed out. But what we fail to realize is this comes on to us little by little over time. Like nobody just started this way. It was little by little by little by little over time. So simplicity, let me give you a definition of simplicity. If Jesus is calling us to live a simple life, simplicity is not about living with nothing. It's about living with less. It's not about living with nothing. It's just about living with less. You don't have to raise your hand in here, but I think all of us probably in here can say that there are areas of our life that we just have too much in. It could be stuff. It could be stress. It could be things. It could be our schedule is just so overloaded. We long to have relationships, but we just don't have time for them. I, we long to, to, to be able to take care of our family, but we just have so many other things we have to pay for, we can't ever really get to that. 
So, we're, so Jesus is not calling us to live a life of nothing and a life of poverty. He's just calling us to live a life of less. So how can we practice simplicity in our life? Let's, let's get really practical here. I'm gonna, try to, I'm gonna try to help us navigate. What does this look like? If you're in this room or if you're watching online and you go, there's something inside of me that aches for that. I've bought into probably this idea of more is better, more is better, more is better, and now I'm realizing the more I have, actually the more stressed I am, the more worried I am, and the more joy that I don't have in my life. And so here's, here's a, a very simple thing that you can walk through to help navigate in your own heart and your own life maybe what God is trying to do to help you live simply. So I want to first start with Ephesians. The Apostle Paul gives us kind of an outline this in Ephesians chapter 5. He says this, so, what's those two words? Be careful. Be careful. So Jesus was telling us to watch out, to be on guard. Now the apostle Paul is telling us, hey, be careful, be careful. How you live, don't live like fools, okay? Don't live like fools. So if we want to be a people that don't live foolishly, that don't buy into the lie that more is always better, which by the way, that is a foolish thought. And scripture says, be careful not to do that. Be careful because you and, all, you and I all have the tendency to jump right into that, to live into that, to that narrative that this world has. He says, listen, so you need to not live like a fool. Be careful. So how do we not live like a fool? I'm gonna give you four thoughts and then we're gonna dive into the real practical stuff. So here's the practical stuff. Number one, reevaluate. Reevaluate. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack the, the, the time side, the calendar side, and then I'm going to unpack the checking account, the money side, okay? Because those t- seem to be the two places where we can try to do more and more and more and, and get ourselves in real trouble. So let's talk about time first. What do we reevaluate when it comes to it? Well, let's talk about money first. What does it mean to reevaluate our money? That means that when you're about to buy something, okay, you need to do what I call a purchase pause, a purchase pause. Okay, this is specifically not like, should I do a purchase pause if I need to go to like just Walmart and buy stuff? I'm talking about like something that maybe be significant, something that would be, would cause debt, something that would cause some stress on you. Like you're thinking about buying that next car or that next house or that next, like something that may be big. Here's a purchase pause and here's some questions to ask yourself, okay? Some questions to ask. Question number one, do I need it or do I just want it? Good question to ask. Some are like, I don't even like the first question. Can we just go on to something else? Okay. Okay. Amazon is very good at this, okay? Do I need it or do I want it? Okay. Number two, by saying yes to this, what will I be saying no to? Because every time you say yes to buying something else, that money is now not available to say yes to somewhere else. You're saying no to something else. Okay. Watch this. What is the true cost? Okay. Here's what I mean when I say what is the true cost. Because the true cost is not only will your purchase of that, okay, require you to buy, uh, I mean, to, to use your money. So like Lindsay and I are like, man, we would love to have a boat. I'd love to have a boat. We love the lake. My boys love tubing and all that stuff. I'm like, man, I would love to have a boat. If you have a boat, there's nothing wrong with that by any means. If you want to take me out, that would be great. Um, I don't own a boat right now because, because I've asked these questions right here. Okay. 
And the true cost is not only would me purchasing a boat, not only would it mean that I have to go spend the money on this, but I also have to now spend my time to clean it, my time to repair it, my time to maintain it, my time to in, my money to insurance, uh, to finance it. Are, are y'all with me? That's the true cost. See, we don't take that into account. We're like, can I buy it? Yeah, I can buy it. Let me go buy it. Well, you don't realize that it's going to also buy your time you're also now going to protect it, insurance, all that stuff there. Every husband in here is like, please, can we move on? I was just about to ask my wife for that boat or that motorcycle, or that car. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm doing what Jesus told me to do. Okay, number four, will this add value to my life and help me enjoy God and others? Okay. Yet again, if you have ample for all of those things, then great. Yes. But I think it's good for us just to, just to evaluate and worth this. And, and I'll say this. The bigger the purchase, the longer the pause. Because there ain't nothing like a salesman wants you to do it right then and there. There's something about walking away and go, I need to think and pray about this. And they're like, no, I'll work you a better deal. I need to think and pray about this. All right, so reevaluating where we do with that. Let's talk about time. You have time for what you choose to have time for. Let me say that one one more time. You have time for what you choose to have time for. The reason why most of us don't have time for what matters is because we are mindlessly spending our life on things that don't. Don't believe me? Let me give you three areas we do this in. Number one, social media. The average person spends 706 hours on social media a year. Now watch this. The average workday is eight hours a day. This means the average, okay? Some people are below this. Some people are above this. That means, watch this. The average American spends four and a half workday months on social media. Four and a half. I love what John Piper said. This was convicting at the same time. John Piper said, one of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. I just don't have time for God. Oh, I bet you do. I bet you do. Let me give you the second area that we can spend our time on. Television. You thought social media was bad. Wait for this one. The average person spends over 27 hours binge watching their favorite shows. Last one. Every young guy's going to hate me. Video games. The average guy, now this could be girl too, but the average guy by the age of 21 has spent 10,000 hours playing video games. Now listen. I know what this is like because I was the Super Mario King. <laughs> Come on, anybody remember the Nintendo days? You had to blow in the cartridge and all that stuff? Okay, that's, that's my day back in the day. So I, listen, I've probably spent well over 10,000 hours. But watch this. Here's the question. I'm trying to help my, even my boys process through this. Yesterday I was with Joel. Joel was the only one that was in my house. My other two boys were gone, and we were in a, a room that, that they played their games and stuff in. And I said, man... We spend a lot of time playing video games. I said, is there a way like to track how much time y'all spend on these games? He's like, yeah, dad, actually we can. And he pulled up 
the, the, the switch. The switch shows, if you have a switch, by the way, parents, shows how many hours they spend on different games. And he started going through it. And I was like, oh. So we started adding them up. So here's the question. What could you do with 10,000 hours? So I just started writing some stuff down. At $10 an hour, you can make 100 grand. If you're an average reader, 10,000 hours, you can read over 2,000 books. You could master, master a skill. They say it takes 10,000 hours to master a skill. You can master a skill with 10,000 hours. You can get your undergraduate and graduate degree with 10,000 hours, maybe even PhD. So we need to reevaluate. Remember it says, so be careful how you live. Let's not live like fools. Let's, let's be mindful of what we're doing. All right, number two is we need to reduce. So after we have kind of evaluated where we are, evaluated where our money's going, evaluated where our time is going, then we need to reduce. Ephesians 5 goes on and says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are what? Now, there is a reason that this series is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Because watch this. In order for you to experience all that God wants for you, it's not going to come through addition. It's going to come through subtraction. It's going to come through you extracting all of the stuff in your life that, that does not need to be there. It's the elimination of things which means we have to start saying no to other things, saying yes to the right things. And so what does reducing things in our lives look like? Well, let's, let's talk about, first off, let's talk about uh, our money, and then let's talk about our, our time. So our stuff, our possessions. This is what I call a possession purge, meaning that you just go through things in your house that maybe you need to intentionally give away, sell, donate, Things that are not adding value to your life. Just start, start that process. That could be a beginning of a process. Watch this, watch this. The goal is not to declutter your closet. The, dole, the goal is to de- declutter your life. My goal is not to declutter my closet. My, my goal is just to declutter my life as a whole. And usually the only time we ever do this is when we're about to move, right? Mm-hmm. Then we're like, we need a garage sale. <laughs> Or we just start giving or chunking things away. So just thinking through, okay, do I, do I really need this much? What, what can I give? What can I be a blessing to others so I can do that? And then when it comes to our time, you got to learn to say no to many good things so that you can say yes to the best things. No to many good things so you can say yes to the, to the best things. So I, I want you to imagine this. If someone came up to you and said, hey, you want to go with me to whatever, the LSU game on Saturday. Okay, most of us would do this. We would look at our calendars and go, yeah, I'm open. Yeah, let's go. That's one way to do it. That's fine. But another way that might be better to do it is to ask this question. Yes, maybe I could go, but is it wise? In light of where I am in life, is it wise? If I've been working all week long and I haven't seen my family all week long and my weekend is the only time I'm with my family and someone invites me to go and it requires me to be away from my family, can I go? Yes. Should I go? 
Every wife was like, no, you will not leave me again. Are, are y'all with me though? Your calendar's open and yes, you could go, but it might not be the wisest situation. So it's not necessarily, can I do it? Yes, maybe I could do it, but if I do say yes to this, then I'm saying no to somebody else. And so we gotta ask ourselves. So I I just started writing things down, like maybe in light of the fact that my marriage is not where God wants me to be, is it wise for me to do this? In light of the fact that maybe I have two children that are in diapers right now, is it wise for me to buy this? Maybe because in light of the fact that life is precious and short, is it wise that I invest my time and my money into this? These are all deep questions that we have to kind of process through, but we're just so quick to just say yes to things when God's going, no, 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 listen, let's be careful. Let's guard. Let's, let's, not, let's not act like fools where we just respond real quickly. Let's, let's proactively think through this. Is this something that I, that I really should do? Is this something I should invest my time and my money? So we need to reduce. And let me give you three and four. We're done. Number three is reprioritize. Reprioritize. The rest of this verse says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Here's what wise people do. They make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. They make the most of every opportunity. Listen closely. If you want to have a better relationship with God, if you want to have a better relationship with your kids, if you want to help rebuild a marriage, if you want to have healthier finances, it's not that you need more time, it's that you need more of what matters most. Remember, as I said earlier, you and I have time for what we choose to have time for. And I'm learning this more and more, that if I don't prioritize my life, Somebody else will. How many know everybody is vying for your time and vying for your attention? So I'm going to give you just a real practical thing for me that I've had to really, really, really work hard to go to work through is like today is a Sunday. So I start planning the rest of my week today. Tonight, I'll start looking through my schedule and stuff. And and I will start inputting into my calendar all the stuff that's really important that matters most first. So like every, when am I gonna spend time with God on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? When am I gonna do it? And I put it in my calendar. When am I, when am I going to spend time with my wife? Wednesday nights have now become date night for Josh and Lindsay because our boys are at youth. Thank you youth for babysitting my kids. So there are perks to having three teenagers now. So, so now Wednesdays are now guarded as a time for Lindsay and I to be together. When am I going to spend time with my boys? When am I going to Sabbath? When am I going to spend time with this staff member and this staff member? And now like everything that matters the most gets put into my calendar first, my work and all these things. And then everything else now comes on top of that. But what ends up happening is usually we don't live that way. We just live reactive. We just wake up and go, what are you going to do? I don't know. We'll just see how the day goes. Don't live reactively. Live wise. Live as one who, who, who sets the time. I, I've this year made a commitment to start working out more than I've ever worked out. I did not take care of my body physically. And when I didn't take care of my body physically... I not only felt it physically, I felt it emotionally and I felt it spiritually. And so this year I made a commitment, like I am going to be serious about this because I wanna be, be around for a long haul. 
I wanna be able to pick up my grandkids and have fun with them. I, I, I want that. And so this year, that's, that's been a real challenge for me. Last year, I worked out 70 times all last year. I just logged in my 110th workout yesterday. And, and, and watch this. And it was just because it was just consistency. And then I also learned it was prioritizing it. Nobody else is gonna take care of my physical health other than me. No one else is gonna take care of my spiritual health other than me. Nobody else is gonna take care of my finances other than me. God has put that in my charge for me to be a steward of what he's given me. And I need to make sure that I do it with wisdom. So I need to reprioritize. And maybe for some of you that you need to be thinking through that now. Where, where are your priorities? If you were to look at your time and if you were to look at your checking account, and your money, where are your priorities right now? And then lastly, and I saved this one for last, we need to repent. We need to repent. If we have bought into the more is better lie, if we have put our time and our money and our energy and our effort into areas that are not honoring to God, not building of the relationships around us, then we need to acknowledge that we've done that and we need to make a decision to change. We need to reject the lie. We need to accept God's truth. We need to accept that the gospel is true. Hey, everybody listen to me. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. My identity is not in what I buy, not what I wear, not what I drive. Jesus is my identity. I am, I am fully satisfied in him and in him alone. So are those things good? Absolutely but I don't wanna worship those things and I don't want those things to own me. I wanna own them and enjoy them, not be driven by them. Is that, does everybody get that? So Father, today, right now, God, we, we ask that you, by your Holy Spirit, would come and open up our eyes to, to show us, God, are there, are there ways that we're living that are actually creating the stress that we're walking through? God, we know that there's a lot of things in life that we have no control over. There's nothing that we can do with those. But there are a lot of things in our life that we do have control over. And God, I pray that you would help teach us how to, to honor you with everything that you have given us. The bodies you've given us, the finances you've given us, the time that you've given us, the resources you've given us, the relationships you've given us, even the grace and the salvation you've given us was not just for us. So God, I pray, Lord, for every, every person that is hearing my voice right now, that, that your voice would be the loudest in there. I want you right there where you are. Would you just ask the Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? What are you speaking to me? you're here in this room and you haven't surrendered your life first and foremost to Jesus all that I'm sharing is impossible for you to live out apart from the power of the Holy Spirit that's given to you to live this way
You can go live, walk out of here and go try to do these things and you may be able to do them for a little bit, but ultimately you'll still be driven by, by self. The great news of the gospel is that Jesus came for broken, hurting, sinful humanity. He lived a life you and I couldn't live. And he showed us, he taught us how to live in relationship with his father. But then he ultimately went to the cross and he gave his life for our sin, for our shame, for our guilt. He was buried by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was resurrected again and he offers a gift of salvation. He offers the gift of forgiveness. He offers the gift of a new life. If you're here today and you haven't said, yes, I fully surrender to that. I wanna make Jesus the Lord of my life. I, I need his help. If that's you that's in this place or you're watching online with every head that's bowed just right now, you say, that's, that's me. I just wanna know who I'm praying for. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up. I, I just wanna know who I'm praying for. One, two, three. If that's you, anybody that's in this room, thank you. Back there in the back. Anybody else? Right over here. If you're online right now, just let us know. Our prayer team would like to pray with you right now. And I want you just to pray this right alongside with me. This prayer doesn't make you saved. The posture of your heart, the attitude of your heart is, is, is what, what God is listening for. It's what he's looking for. That if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says we will be saved. So this is a confession of our heart today. If you're here in this place and you, you were one of those that raised your hand and you're online, I just want you to say this. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to live a perfect life that I couldn't live. I wanna be in relationship with you, but I know that my sin has separated me from you. But you went to the cross because you loved me so much. You took my sin and my shame and my guilt and you died for it. And you rose again to give me a relationship with the Father and a purpose on earth. God, I pray today that you would save me, forgive me, cleanse me, give me a new start. Today, be my Lord and my Savior from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, OSC family. We celebrate with those.